what's going to happen here tonight. I really, I really don't. I got three messages that, that could, that could happen. It may even be a combination of all of them. And I've got like a, uh, uh, fire trucks worth of, uh, of stuff to deliver in a, uh, measuring cups time. <laughs> oh, so the, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord knows. And, and, uh, you know, it's always better to have more than enough. See, that's, that's the way, that's the God that we serve. He is the God of more than enough. It's not just enough. It's not almost enough or not quite enough. He is the God of more than enough. And God is a God of detail. You know, again, uh, go back to what Joanne started right at, right at the very beginning, as even before service was starting, as she was kind of doing the exhortation and, and part of the prayer before worship. You know, it's not just a Thursday. And you're not just a this. Or you're not just, you know, you're not just the keyboard player, you're not just the drummer, or you're not just the pastor, you're not just the helper, you're not just the Sunday school teacher. You are a child of the Most High God, and you're not just anything. You are a priest and a king, and our God is a God of detail. We've spent, if you're doing the reading along with us here, and, and, you know, we've been going, we're still in Deuteronomy, and we've been going through a lot of stuff, which is a lot of sometimes repetitive detail. Do you think that that's there for a reason? See, I don't think there's anything in the Word of God that's there by chance or by accident. The purpose of the detail, I believe, is to show how meticulous and how thoughtful God is over every little detail. There is nothing that wasn't covered in some form or another. Every, everything to do with the tabernacle that was built had a very specific plan, and design. The individuals doing the work had to be specialists in what they did, master craftsmen with the ability to look after the meticulous detail that the Holy Spirit then inspired into them to carry out the work. And it was, you know, when you, when you read the description, when you just, when you, don't get bogged down in the detail and just saying, oh, I got another paragraph of this. It's the same as the last paragraph. Right? When you don't get bogged down in that, but you actually look at the detail. I mean, <laughs> you look at the world around us. Look at the detail. If, you, if you've ever sat in a park and looked at ducks, have you seen the color of the feathers of some of these ducks? They are spectacular. The iridescence, the difference in color, you cannot generate it 
You, you can't synthesize that. For an artist to actually try to replicate it is very, very difficult. And God has just showered us with this kind of detail. The birds, the trees, the flowers, the sunsets, the sunrises. They're all individual. They're all different. There's not the same detail. Detail. Our God is a God of detail. Now, why, John, are you sharing this? I don't know. He's what he gave. I, I had intended to continue what I started last time. And I can. I might. He might let me yet, but that's not where I'm supposed to start. You look at the all-natural light show of the Aurora Borealis. Has anybody ever seen it in person? Spectacular. I've only seen it once in my life, and I actually saw it when I was younger, down in Bridgewater, if you can believe it. I was, in, I was out in a, just outside of Bridgewater in a, in a little uh, place, um, uh, Lake Mushmush is, is where, where I was, right? And laying there at night, there's the stars, and you could actually see the Aurora Borealis here in Nova Scotia. You could be hard-pressed to do it in most places now just because of so much light that is around. But I've seen the pictures and I've seen the videos. It's spectacular, right? You think that the same God that creates that kind of spectacular show and, and that display of detail is the same God that created you. You pause on that for a minute. Remember I said at the beginning, you're not just anything, because you are the workmanship of our Heavenly Father, each and every one of us. There are days when we probably don't even like ourselves much, right? But we are part of His master craftsmanship. How dare we look at ourselves and say, we're not good enough? You know, that's not to say that we don't have our moments. You know, we're not the only ones. We're going to read here in a minute, if I, if I get to it, if the Lord continues and we go that way. We're going to talk about Paul. The Apostle Paul, that is. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have said Pastor Paul. <laughs> because I, too, can be a stickler for detail. <laughs> in, in, our, in our recent readings, we've, we've, you know, the, the, the children of Israel had a couple of opportunities to go into the promised land. And even as Pastor Gary shared on Sunday, you know, they, they, they didn't take the first opportunity, which was a mistake, right? It was a 40-year genocidal mistake. King Saul, again, I could, go, I could go into the references, but I'm definitely not going to have time. King Saul lost his kingship as a result of not following instruction and not following detail. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on, on, on perilous ground here because we are so, okay, let me rephrase that. I'm going to say I, right, am so detail-oriented, and some of you might get hit with this too, so if it applies to you, then take it. Right? 
so caught up in detail and, and wanting to do right and wanting to do good, right? But I need to make perfectly clear that there is a distinction between trying to earn your place in God and your salvation and your healing and trying to be obedient. There is a distinction. Will you agree with me with that? So in our own selves, we can't earn our salvation. We can't be good enough. We are not good enough. We will never be good enough, right, to earn salvation or to earn healing or to earn blessing. God has given us gifts. He has made us righteousness. He has made us righteous through Jesus' sacrifice. We cannot earn that righteousness. We have to accept that righteousness. And it's a real important distinction when we talk about some of the things that I talk about when I'm talking about detail and making sure that we follow where we're supposed to walk. You know, we are supposed to be examples in the world that we live in. We are supposed to influence the world that we live in and not be influenced by the world we live in. Scripture says that we are, we are to um, renew our mind, or our mind is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the washing of the Word, right? We're not being conformed to the world. We are being transformed, and that transformation should be transforming others around us. It should be an impact and an influence. Like turning a light on in a dark room, there is a difference. You turn the light out, the room is dark. There is a difference. It was clear, it's obvious, it's tangible. We're, we're about ready to walk into one of the most amazing moves of God that has happened in historical times. Everything is pointing in that direction. Almost everybody's sense of expectation is like right off the scale, knowing that something's happened. But there is a price that has to be paid. Now, I'm not talking about the ultimate price that was paid. Jesus has paid the price. He did leave his place in heaven to become man for us. But for us to walk in the power and and everything that he wants us to walk in, greater works than these will you do, he said. Do you want to do the greater? I'd like to do the greater, but I'd even like to write, I'd start with uh, as good as, right? You know, to, 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 but you can't do that by being like everybody else. You can't be the Holy One of Israel or the Holy Ones of Israel or the disciples of the Most High God and carry on like the heathens. I'm going to jump into some word because I, 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 know, I know time is, is getting on, but it, it, is, it is, this is just, it's coming so alive in me like it's even coming faster than I can even communicate it. Deuteronomy 29. Let's go there for a minute. <sighs> Deuteronomy 29, 14. And again, I'm reading in the New Living. 
So I'm, I'm kind of jumping into a, into a middle of a, of a, a dialogue, but we'll, uh, you'll, we'll, you'll catch up. 29.14, it says, But you are not the only ones with whom I am making this covenant with its curses. I am making this covenant both with you who stand here today in the presence of the Lord our God, and also with the future generation, future generation, future, slow down, John, future generations who are not standing here today. You remember how we lived in Egypt and how we traveled through the lands of enemy nations as we left? You have seen their detestable practices and their idols made of wood, stone, silver, and gold. I am making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, woman, clan, or tribe, will turn away from the Lord our God to worship these gods of other nations. And so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. See, God has a plan for us. And he doesn't want us to follow the examples of the heathen nations that we're chasing out. You chasing any heathen nations? <laughs> you show up to a work environment where there's people there that aren't of same, same faith as you? Well, <laughs> you're chasing away heathen nations. Idol worship. Have you listened to the conversations around you lately? Doesn't matter whether you're on the bus, whether you're in a waiting room, shopping plaza. There's all kinds of stuff that's going on. See, there's a better than average chance that many of the natural gifts and abilities that you have are tools to be used for his purpose for your life. You really do owe it to yourself to find out what it is and to begin to exercise it. There's no greater feeling than walking in the fulfillment of knowing that you are where you are supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, even in the midst of turmoil, there is a transcendental, a transcendent peace. That peace that transcends or, or surpasses all understanding. And if we're in a state of unrest that lingers and continues, a state of discontentment, or a time when peace seems to be elusive, there's a good chance we're not where we're supposed to be or doing what we're supposed to be doing. Now, I have to be careful with that one too. Because just because you are in the perfect will of God, right, does not mean that there's not going to be challenges or adversary. Would you believe that? Would you believe when I say that pa, that that pastor that the apostle Paul, right, was was a man after God's heart and was was eager to do His will and was pretty, you know, as the Marines would say, a squared away Christian. Right, he had it pretty much all together. You think, right? Did he run into some opposition? See, just because. We're going to, we're, let's, let's go to there for a minute. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm 
conscious because I don't want to leave this hanging in the wrong spot. So thank you, Lord, you're leading me. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Now, we're going to start in the kind of the middle of verse 23 because Paul is, Paul is in the midst of a dialogue talking about a bunch of others who are basically imposters or people claiming to be something that they're not. But it says, um, but, but he's going to begin to read his resume. And it says, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. <coughs> Pardon me. I have been hungry and thirsty and often, often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without even enough clothing to keep me warm. Now, you read this, if, if I apply just like, I can't even say that I've even gone through half of that, like not even a quarter of that, like not even a third of that. Like I really can't, <laughs> I, I haven't had any of that. I haven't been stoned, whipped. I haven't been beaten with rods. I haven't been shipwrecked, praise God. Not, not, not alone once, not, not, I've fallen out of boats. I've capsized boats, you know, I've been in sinking boats, but I haven't been shipwrecked. Right? Right? But, but, you know, there are times when there has definitely been some things that have not gone quite according to what I thought the plan was. And there are those well-meaning saints who have come to me and said, well, Brother John, are you sure you're in the will of God? Because maybe this wouldn't be happening to you if you were doing what God had told you to do, or if you were where God. Now, that very thing was told to me when I wasn't saved for a very long time. That rocked me to the core and rippled through the foundation in my life for a very, very long time. And it wasn't until recently when I looked and said, hey, wait a minute. Paul, man, he wrote most of the New Testament. He went through all that, and he was in the will of God. You can't tell me that just because something's going against you that you're not in the will of God. Conversely, Things can be absolutely going swimmingly, fantastic, no opposition, no resistance, no problem in the world, and you can be totally and completely in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. So what does that mean? It means that we really need to be tuned in to the voice of the Heavenly Father. We really need to be tuned in to the leading of the Holy Spirit, so that we can be sensitive to the directing that he's given us. 
that we, just like when the, when, when, when the cloud moved, right? The Hebrews moved. We need to follow that leading. We need to follow that direction. We just read here just a few days ago, Peter was on a roof in virtually a trance. And the Lord showed him something like a sheet full of all kinds of unclean animals. And he said to him, Peter, take, kill, eat. No, Lord. That's, that's, I've, never, I've never done anything unclean, anything contrary to the law. I wouldn't think of such a thing. And it happened again. And it happened a third time. Don't call anything unclean that I call clean. Right at that time, right, men came to collect Peter to take them to a centurion, a Roman, right, who wanted to know more of God. If Peter hadn't listened, hadn't been attentive to that word, that vision, hadn't listened to the word that says, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. Peter recognized when these Gentiles came to collect him that, hey, I think the Lord's trying to tell me something here. Let's be attentive to what, what the Lord's trying to tell us. Especially, especially as we're getting ready to move into a new land. We're getting to ready to move into a new building, into a new community. And we have lots of diversity ahead of us. And I can tell you this with absolute certainty, not everybody in that community believes what you believe. Not everybody in that community wants to believe what you believe. But we are going to be a witness, right? We are going to be an example. We are going to raise the banner that will show the goodness of God. See, we were talking, I talked a little bit about the last time I shared about, you know, how man's thoughts are basically altogether evil. They're just bad, right? Like pretty much from the garden, after the fall, things got bad. They got bad, they stayed bad, the thoughts were bad. Continually bad. How bad were they? They were so bad that God wanted to wipe everyone out. How bad was that? That's pretty bad. <laughs> Even after he saved the good ones, right, on a boat that didn't capsize, and didn't sink, and didn't wreck, right, but stayed afloat for over a year, can you imagine? Just think about it. Like a football field-sized boat full of animals for a year? <laughs> uh, somebody got to clean up after those things. <laughs> they don't usually clean up after themselves. Anyway, I digress. So, so sometimes, okay, I get frustrated with myself. Again, if this, if this fits you too, then by all means wear it. But I get frustrated with myself because I don't always seem to be what I think I should be 
or do things the way I should do, or respond the way I should respond, you know. And sometimes I do the very thing that I don't want to do, knowing I shouldn't do it, but I do it anyway. Anybody relate? All right. Well, you know what? We're not alone, okay? So remember this guy I was talking about just a minute ago, the Apostle Paul, right? He has it all together, right? If anybody in the Bible has it together, the Apostle Paul must have it together. He's the most prolific writer in the Bible. Well, let me read you an excerpt what he says, and, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to close with this. I just want it to be an encouragement. We'll make we'll round round it up into an encouragement. Romans 7:14, it starts. Well, at least that's where I'm gonna start, because again, in the interest of time. So the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good, right? So we know that the law is spiritual and good, right? The trouble is with me, for I am, and I love this, the New Living Translation when it comes to, to this. This is like, it's such a real conversation for me. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, but if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. And when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. Right? So we're, we're supposed to be renewing our mind, right? Transforming our mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Well, there is, there is, there is an answer here. It's coming up. Verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. He has redeemed us. He has redeemed us. Everybody say this with me. He has redeemed me. I am redeemed. You are redeemed. You are freed. You are healed. You are delivered. You are set free. And anything that lends itself to say something to the contrary is contrary to the word of God. And it cannot stand and it cannot be allowed to have dominion or place in your life. God is good. And he's a God of detail. And he tells us all this stuff because he knows that we'll have our moments. See, we have his creative abilities. We were created like him. 
after his kind. He's a creative God. So we sometimes haven't learned quite how to correctly apply all that knowledge. But we can if we look to him to do it. So, Father, I just want to thank you again for your word. I trust that this did go forth and and that your word did go forth and that lives are encouraged by this. I thank you, Lord, that you will quicken your word and that you will change our hearts and you will change our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.